Craig. Right. No, I go that side. <sighs> Just I want to look for one person to see if they did turn up. They didn't. Okay. Right. Okay. His dinner did depend on it, frankly. Okay. So good morning and welcome to the first Sunday in Advent. Um, we are starting, as it's already been said quite a lot today, this is our new sermon series, The Hope of Christmas, and I am going to be looking at Mary's Yes to God. Christmas is one of the largest, most popular holidays in the world today, with millions of people planning for and coming together for this global celebration. Presents, Parties, turkey sprouts, Christmas tree, fairy lights, telly, Santa, Grinch, it's an infinite list. Sadly, for many, the reason for the season is secondary or totally forgotten, with all that's left an infinite list which changes and means nothing. Christmas should be a celebration of what God has done for us. His amazing redemption package revealed, enabling us to go from enemies of God to children of God, all through the birth of his son, God in flesh, Jesus. Right from Genesis 3, verse 15, God has set out his plan to undo the fall of mankind, reconciling us, his creation, back to our original right standing before him, our holy God. There are about 350 prophecies throughout the Old Testament predicting this divine restoration plan. One of them is in Isaiah. Isaiah writes in 7 verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah wrote that prophecy over 700 years before the birth of Christ. Emmanuel means God with us. God's plan is that we are literally saved from God's wrath by God in flesh. Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, to spend eternity with God. And all of this big good news begins with a young girl saying yes to God. Our scripture this morning is Luke 1, 26 to 38, and I'm reading from the NKJV. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favoured. Oh, no, I'll leave the angel voice, sorry. Rejoice, highly favoured one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting was this. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign, the he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Amen. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know man? 
And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. To really appreciate the awesomeness of Mary's yes, I want to compare it to another yes, which kind of ties into what Craig was talking about this morning. So it's from Moses, who I've just checked with Gav as a patriarch. Okay, I want to compare it with the yes that Moses gave God in Exodus 4. Sadly, we don't have time to read that account, but I do suggest you do because I'm about to paraphrase the entire content. Moses was out doing Moses' stuff, probably tending sheep, when he happened across a bush that was burning, but did not burn. Strange, he thought. I shall investigate closer. Then, even stranger, from out of the bush came a voice. It was the voice of God. God said to Moses, after he told him to take his shoes off because he was on holy ground, he said, Moses, I have seen and heard the sufferings of my people. I want you to go and tell them that I am going to deliver them from their oppressors. Your mission, Moses, simple, go. Moses responded to God in a few ways. Firstly, he said, well, who will I say sent me? Who, who are you? Who will God said, it's okay, Moses. Just you go and tell them. I am sent you. I am sent you and I am with you. Then Moses went on and he said, but I'm really unknowledgeable. I'm not the right person for this job. Well, how can that be? God, uh, no, Moses was 80 years old when God commissioned him. He had spent the first 40 years of his life growing up in an Egyptian royal court. He would have been well-educated. He was a Hebrew. He had Hebrew family. Does God make mistakes when he commissions us? I think not. He was the perfect man for the job. Then Moses says, but I'm frightened, Lord, because they won't believe that I am. So who, who is I am that he would send me? Like God said, it's okay, Moses, relax. Take that rod, throw it on the ground. Moses threw the rod on the ground and it became a snake. God said, pick that snake up, Moses. Moses picked the snake up by the tail and the snake turned back into a rod. Then God had this sort of a hokey-cokey thing going on with a hand in a coat with Moses. He said to Moses, put your hand in your coat, take it out your coat, leprosy. In the coat, out your coat, leprosy gone. I will give you signs and wonders to, tell, to go with you to say that I am sent you. And Moses, don't worry. If all that fails, I have still got turning water into blood. <gasps> Moses responds again. He says, but God, I stutter. Nobody will understand what I'm saying. I'm not the right person for that. Moses, there are no surprises for me. I know you are a bit short of, slow of speech, I think it says, or short of speech. You have a brother called Aaron. 
we'll play Chinese whispers. I will tell you the message, and then you would tell Aaron, and Aaron will tell the Hebrews and then the Egyptians. It's a no problem. Then we see the posture of Moses' heart. Well, I just don't want to go. Send somebody else. God's anger burned against Moses. It burned against Moses before Moses finally said yes, yes to the commission he had. Now, for Mary, there are no exact records of how old Mary was when the angel Gabriel came to speak to her, but we understand from the scripture reading that she was in a betrothal period, so she could have been between 12 and 17 years old. The point is that she was in our culture, we can consider her a young girl, an adolescent, a teenager with limited life experience, unlike Moses. Gabriel was God's messenger angel when he came and spoke to Mary. Mary did not speak to God, unlike Moses. However, Mary recognized the authority of the messenger that God had sent her. Mary knew God. Verse 29 says, Mary was troubled at the greeting Gabriel gave her. I suggest this is her knowing she wasn't special. She knew her spiritual state and probably was baffled how a sinner like her could have found favor with God. Yes, Mary was a sinner. Mark 10, verse 18, Jesus said, no one is good except God. And she knew this at her young age. She was waiting like everybody else had been waiting for centuries for a Messiah um, that had been foretold in the prophecies. Mary, although young, never speaks of any concerns she might have at God's plan for her life unlike Moses. And let's have it. She could have been killed in her culture for adultery, being unmarried and pregnant, stoned under Deuteronomy law, as it says in Deuteronomy 22, 13 to 21. Or in the best case, divorced, shamed, humiliated and outcast by her family and community. She knew all this but she shows no fear. She just asks about the particulars of how this could be because she is a virgin. We don't read in this scripture of Mary worrying. Nobody would believe her. Nobody would listen to her or who would support her, unlike Moses. She didn't know how Joseph or her family would react at her found favor with God. She didn't stress about potential conversations that she might have to have, like, hey, mum, dad, I have found favor with God, and I am pregnant with his son. No. When we read this text, this young girl isn't defined by any inward fear or turmoil that she probably might have been thinking. Instead, verse 38 despite her age and the huge gravity of the favor that God bestowed upon her, she gave the most powerful, humble, obedient, beautiful response. I paraphrase, I am your bondservant. Let your will be done. I suggest God didn't choose Mary from all women of her time but rather God chose Mary from every woman that had ever been and would ever be. 
She was the perfect person for the job. God knew that she would have to be brave. Luke 2, verse 35 says, the sword would pierce her soul. God knew that she was faithful. She knew enough of God at her young age to trust him for the details of his plan. She didn't need endless reassurance for any fears or concerns that she probably did have. God knew that with great favor comes great responsibility. And he wasn't talking Spider-Man. She wasn't going to have an inflated ego at the favor that she had found with God. She was troubled by Gabriel's greeting because she knew her spiritual position. She refers to herself as the Lord's bond slave. God knew she would be obedient. Mary made no excuses. Let it be to me according to your word. Yes, she was God's perfect choice for the job. We can see how special her yes was when we compare it to Moses. So what? God still speaks today. God still asks us to say yes. God still talks to us. He asks us to do many different things, how we must live our lives, not through the world's lens, but through God's lens. God gives each of us gifts and talents that we will be accountable for one day. Worship leaders, prayer warriors, hospitality, uh, welcomers, pastors. Each life here today has been created for a purpose, a mission our lives to be transformed by the power of his word through his Holy Spirit. That purpose will be different for all of us, but ultimately all our yeses will be to advance his kingdom and glorify him, not us, as did Mary's yes. He did not save us to be living our best life now. That will come when we are in eternity with him. Mary didn't lead her best life then. We did not get saved to sit. Instead, we were saved to serve, saved to say yes, always remembering we are not saved by our works. But as James writes, faith without works is dead. Now, I never heard God speak as Moses with an audible voice or via Gabriel. But I hear God speak every day through his word. So to hear him, I have to read God's word. When I first read this, I thought it would be a tick box exercise on my way to being a Christian. I've read the Bible once, tick. No, not so today. Okay. For 20 years, sadly, family, I have listened to wise men and women of God saying, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. I had no desire, no time, and I couldn't see the point. What would reading this make any difference to my life? At the point before I read the Bible, the only book I'd read was The Secret Diaries of Adrian Mull, and I particularly chose that book because it was thin with quite big writing. However, 
when, I, when the Holy Spirit inclined my heart that I might pick up his book and have a go, because I knew I was going to have a conversation one day, and I didn't want to have that conversation why I hadn't read the Bible, I got to know God. And like I was, when I talked last time, that wasn't a God of my understanding. That was the God of the Bible. And I got to know quirky little things about God, like um, he loves the smell of roast lamb. And importantly, things that God doesn't like. I got to understand what God expects from me, my life, with warnings and instructions on how to live my life. The Bible is, this one's for you, Michael, the Bible is my basic instruction before leaving earth. The Bible is my Gabriel. The the Bible is my burning bush. God speaks. Mary knew God And that young woman recognized the authority of the messenger. And she knew this important truth. For with God, all things are possible, will be possible. How I so needed to recognize this. Yes, I can't, but God. Nothing is impossible for God. In my weakness, he is strong. Mary couldn't. But God, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Amen. Thank you, Eric. Now, family, I have seen many people here say yes to God. I have. Edith had a dream. She said yes, and God born a medical center in the Cameroon. Not without trials, but God. His kingdom advanced through her yes and her willingness. Gavin counted the addicts here one Sunday, then found himself pushed forward to lead at Believers in Recovery. He had no previous experience of church leadership. Divine choice doesn't always make sense. God equips the called. Today, because of the yes of that, what, two men, two men, the fruit is there are now believers in recovery all over the country, reaching the lost, preaching the gospel, and advancing God's kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Eric. (laughs) Saying yes to God is not without cost. This is important. Anyone who preaches that you will be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous, saying yes to God, is a liar. That is a prosperity gospel, because scripture is clear. One scripture, 2 John 15 says, if you were of the world, you would be loved. No, sorry, start that again. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But you are not of the world. I chose you out of the world, and therefore the world hates you. Remember, I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. The disciples said yes, most paid with their lives. Paul said yes was shipwrecked, imprisoned, and killed. Moses said yes, and he had to wander around a desert for 40 years with a whinging, disobedient people till he finally lost his temper, sinned, and was forbidden to enter the promised land. Yet he still said yes. And as for Mary, the focus of our message this morning, well, she said yes, and she found herself at a foot of a cross, looking upwards to her saviour and son as he died for our sins. Yes, 
there is a cost to say yes. But I suggest there is a much bigger cost to say no. At Believers, we often discuss in the discussion part of the evening that, um, that time when we're going to be standing before God, um, giving account of our lives. And I, I'm, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm sure God's going to want to know why we said a lot of no's, okay? I want my father to look at me and say, well, I'm standing here not to please you. I'm standing here to please my father. I, want, I said yes. I want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I do not want Jesus to say to me, get away from me, for I never knew you, and be cast out into the darkness with the wailing and gnashing of teeth. Doesn't sound good. Fear has defined me for most of my life and kept me saying no to God. Not so today. I am a woman who has said many yeses to God. Last Monday, I walked across a stage on my final part of my academic journey, having graduated. Thank you. Thank you, God. That journey began in a car at Wilton Gardens, sat with God, listening to God, and I knew enough of God at that time to think, I can't but God. I was willing and I said yes. That journey began in that car with me saying yes to God. Good news, family. Only one virgin was required. God will never ask any of us what he asked Mary. However... God will ask all of us for yeses in different things. He will pick and equip us for our assignments. We just need to be willing and say yes. Take the Great Commission. This is one assignment. It's not for some of us. It's for all of us. Matthew 28, 19 to 20 says, Go, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Family, you can't make disciples if you're not walking with and saying yes to God. If your life doesn't look different from the world, why would the world want you to disciple them? It is God in us that attracts them. My best friend, well, no, not actually, but a good friend of mine, Google, <coughs> defines um, disciple as a follower of a teacher. It's much more than just being a believer. We can all say we're believers. God is not looking for fans. He is looking for followers. We are supposed to learn and apply what the teacher, Jesus, um, teaches us to our lives and be willing and say yes. Then we are told to go into the world, our homes, our workplaces, our community, our just out, just go, and so that God can advance his kingdom. Finally, this is about the hope of Christmas. Let's remember on this first Sunday of Advent the hope that God gave us, and that is Jesus. We are coming into or we're in tough economic times. The world is suffering. People are experiencing food poverty, heat poverty. We're maybe not living the lives that we lived two or three years ago. Christmas might look quite poor, but we have something that is much more than the list I read at the beginning, and that is the hope 
that Jesus gives to us. I conclude. Why do we keep saying no to God? Is it because we don't think we're going to like how a yes to God is going to make our lives look? I've said yes to God, and I don't recognize my life anymore. Is it because we're frightened that we don't know God, that we don't trust God, it keeps us saying no? Do we not know that all things are possible with God? Mary knew God. Corrie ten Boom said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Father, can I invite um, Sam and Stacey back and Craig and Tom and just, I just want to pray. Father, I just pray, Lord, this is a, a challenging time for the world and like we're talking about Mary today and I pray, Lord, that I hope we can see how brave and courageous her yes was. I pray, Lord, that you will fill us with your spirit, that you will make us a people that can hear you, that hear the purpose that you've put into our lives and that we will be willing to step out and say yes. Father, come and do business with us now, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.